Hello, 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 and welcome back to yet another episode of absolutely nobody's favorite podcast, Annoying Question Boy. Um, If it is your first time tuning in, uh, thanks for listening to the show. Uh, My name is Josh. I am your host, Annoying Question Boy. Um, If it is your first time tuning in, I've been having to give this spiel for a while now, but if you hear my car in the background, whether that's the AC or my car just, you know, driving and shit like that, I apologize um, because this thing called capitalism exists and I have to pay bills. Um, I have to work uh, six to seven days a week. And so this means that I get to record driving to and from work. So that's, that's a super fun time. But anyways, if it's your first time tuning in, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, today I would like to talk about something which has been on my mind for a while. Um, and I, I really want to get it out there and really get the ball rolling because I think that this is something that is very necessary. I think that this is something that is very possible, and I think this is something that a lot of people are looking for right now. Um, As we all know, uh, the pandemic, which is still raging on in America, um, we get to uh, suffer through because our government has shown, you know, absolutely no interest whatsoever in helping the general uh, welfare of the majority of people in America. Um, But I think that's something that we really need to take into effect and really reckon with is the the fact that, you know, this disinterest in helping the American people has huge implications on not only American people, but billions of people outside of America. You know, there's whole countries whose economy is based on selling, you know, exports to the United States for the sake of consumption. And if the people of the United States are not taken care of, therein don't have the money to buy these consumable goods, you have entire nations whose economies will just go, you know, dissipate, just completely implode, because the United States won't be able to afford these consumable goods anymore. On top of this, we have to understand that throughout history, uh, empires or, you know, whatever you want to call them, in decline always tighten their grip, you know. If you look at the fall of Roman, the Roman Empire, the, the fall of the Greeks, the fall of, you know, many of the biggest civilizations and empires throughout history, their last 10 to 15 to 50 to 100 years are always extremely dictatorial, extremely authoritarian, and that's because to some extent they have to double down on their power in order to, you know, withstand any of it. I would argue that this has solely been the case for the entire existence of America, but I would also argue then that this makes that tightening of that grip that grip even more, you know, terrifying because if we were already from the beginning in an extremely fascistic state, which I would argue that we most certainly are, uh, then I can't even imagine and I don't even want to imagine what it's going to look like when, you know, people start standing up again like they did this past year, the Black Lives Matter movement, and saying, we, we're not going to take this shit anymore. Because really, folks, I know that it's hard to believe, but to some extent, people are starting to wake up. I know with this, you know, this past year and the election and, 
you know, a whole lot of co-opting of the Black Lives Matter movement for, like, social media attention and shit like that. I know that it all seems very liberal, but at the very least, I mean, I was a liberal, I would argue, a year ago, probably. And in a year, I've gotten to this point. So even though it might not happen right away, something that we really need to work on is organizing and educating. Let me take a second to hit this little bowl here. Hold on. So I posted a TikTok, which, dude, I posted a TikTok and it has almost 15,000 views and something like 5,000 likes. And all I really said was that Americans need to consider going on strike. Um, I know that it's a a far-fetched idea considering the lack of any and all organization on the left in general in America due to, you know, years and years of McCarthyism, but also just the, the whole foundation of America in and of itself is antithetical to communism or any kind of socialist leftist ideas. So... To its core, America's education system, America's whole existence has to consistently be combating against these ideas because its existence is wholly dependent on their non-existence. You know, they're directly in opposition to one another. So even though this might be the case, I would argue that both in Peru and in India, they are having massive people's movements, which have taken years of organizing, and this is not something that I am forgetting, but they're not all communists, and they're not all simply politically oriented. A lot of them are just simply farmers, in in India especially, who are watching as their livelihoods get, you know, consistently worse and worse and worse and worse and worse, and are finally standing up and saying, no, Modi, we won't let you pass this law. Uh, what's happening in India is a law was passed, I, I believe a set of laws, which is going to make it easier for corporate farming industries and stuff like that to insert their dominance in India and really take away one of the last um, you know, realms of income for Indian people, which is agriculture. Uh, and so obviously a lot of people have a lot to lose by this, so a lot of people are very angry. 250 million people. Uh, stormed New Delhi and are currently camped in New Delhi protesting these these laws. Uh, they're all on strike. Things like this are happening in Peru. They've been happening all over the, the world for, you know, centuries. But he, here's the problem, and this, this is what I really feel like we need to focus on. So a lot of these uh, organizations especially in places, say, like Bolivia, which really, you know, motivate the people to go out and protest, to go out and strike, to go out and demand uh, workers' rights. They're organized within unions. And unions have almost no real presence in America anymore, at least in the sense of, you know, working towards the goals we're working towards. Most of the unions in America are extremely right-wing, as is everything in America because it's a fascist state, um, and they're extremely reactionary. This is not to say that we, you know, just toss these unions aside and forget about all these people who, you know, very much require uh, 
the help that they are receiving within these unions, but also a step further, you know, more help, more assistance, more security. And so we can't completely just toss these unions aside, but we don't have the union presence that other countries say like Bolivia have or Venezuela. So an idea which I've been, you know, kind of toying with for a while in the back of my head, just in spare moments in time, and something that I really think needs to receive our attention is this, you know, what what is organizing going to look like in the age of COVID, in the age of, you know, widespread uh, joblessness? We're still sitting, I think, in between 20 and 30 percent joblessness since February, um, that's 60 to 90 million people who have been out of a job indefinitely since February. And so we really have to tackle the question, which is how are we going to create unions? The, the, you know, the real basis of organizing in a lot of industrialized nations or industrializing nations, how are we going to build these unions if so many people are out of jobs? Um, I think that tenant you know, organizations are extremely useful, but I think they're a means to an end. Um, I think they're certainly an organizing tool, but I think that there has to be something bigger that is ready to receive, you know, these tenant organizations, uh, influx of, you know, people who are organized. And so something that I've been toying with is this idea of how do we organize outside of jobs? And so something which I want to present to you guys, um, it's, you know, in its infant stage, but my kind of conception of how right now in this moment, especially, you know, right after this stimulus bill, we need to take this energy, which a lot of people have, which is frustration towards the government. I mean, I just posted a random TikTok that blew up. So it's, it's totally possible that anybody else can do the same. We have to start spreading the message that we have to come together um, as people. And I think that one of the main ways which we can organize is for a people's movement. I think, you know, the term workers is extremely useful. And I think that organizing as workers, as the labor force within a country is extremely useful But my worry, and I don't know if this is being uh, um, uh, egalitarian, I believe is the term, or whatever the word is, trying to come up with something new just for the sake of coming up with something new. Um, But I, I, I don't know if that's the case, but I really do wonder if these people who are out of a job are gonna feel alienated by these workers' movements. Um, Obviously, there's steps which can be made in order to avoid these things, but I'm just simply speaking out of my ass right now, really. But we really, you know, we do need to think about the fact that so many people are out of jobs and so many people, because of that, are losing their homes, are incapable of paying their bills, of providing the basic necessities for themselves for survival. This is a ridiculous notion in such an advanced and wealthy country such as ours in a generally advanced and wealthy world. You know, there is all the available resources, all the available wealth, everything that we need is here. It is readily available for us. However, it is not like we can just take it. 
you know, we can't just go, all right, I'll, I'll take my, you know, livable wage now, please. These things take work. They take organizing. They take action. They take, you know, reaction. They take retreat. They take falling back, going into hiding, and really tactically working on ways to provide for the very needs of the people of not only America, but also of this world. And so this is another reason why I think that a people's movement is very important. Because I think that a lot of times when we hear about these, you know, leftist movements, we hear about them in the, uh, the form of national liberation movements. And now I could spend a whole episode talking about just in general national liberation movements. A lot of people have done it and I'm sure you can find those podcasts and those YouTube videos to check them out. That's not me right now, and I apologize for it. But, um, you know, a lot of national liberation movements fall into problems because of the very foundation of their movement. You know, that national liberation is extremely important to nationalize and to liberate the people within a nation in order to becoming the dominant force, the, the, the leaders, the majority Uh, in rule within their own nation, that's extremely important. But the reason why I call for people's liberation is because it has to go a step further. You can't just become a socialist state and expect that now you're going to be able to solve your problems because now you've just painted a target on your head if you didn't already have one. And so I think that what we really need to do is we need to organize... (coughs) Excuse me. We need to organize it, it, this layer of, or this level, I should say, of not necessarily simply workers and not necessarily simply as Americans. You know, if we're going to organize for real, if something w- that we want to do is really, you know, break down the system that exists right now and completely uproot it and um, make it anew. If that's something that we want to do, then we really have to take into account what that is going to necessitate. So simply put, you can't expect that a a single nation's liberation, even a nation as important to capitalist uh, hegemony as the United States, you can't expect that one country's national liberation is going to completely change the the very fabric of reality. Because if the United States becomes socialist, you know, in, in a fever dream of mine, if the United States becomes socialist, well, there's still the UK, there's still Canada, there's still Europe, there's still, you know, all these powers which still exist within uh, capitalist spheres, which exist to promote capitalism. Um, and there's even, you know, countries outside of that realm, um, and, and we really do have to talk about this, which require the use of capitalism for the implementation of socialism. You know, a lot of countries like China or the USSR, which are called state capitalist, um, aren't analyzed in their reality. The reason why countries like China need to partake in capitalism, even though we might not be huge fans of capitalism, which is quite understandable, 
Um, the reason why this is necessary is because less than 100 years ago, hey, get this, less than 40 years ago, China's entire population, for the most part, was ag- agrarian farmers. You know, the majority of China, literally less than 40 years ago, was impoverished agricultural workers. You know, like the ones striking in India right now. And so to say that China is state capitalist and to just toss its, you know, entire history aside is completely tossing aside a history which in less than 40 years has taken a country of almost a billion agricultural impoverished workers to completely eliminating uh, extreme poverty. Now, can we talk about the failures and the missteps which China and its government has made and continue to make to this day? Sure. And that's a conversation which needs to be had and needs to be had in its own right. But that's not the conversation we're having right now. The conversation we're having is through that level of organizing, through that level of mass movement, of people's liberation, they were able to bring this general level of stability, more so than that country has ever seen before, that the you know one billion people in that country have ever seen before, to existence in less than 40 years. That is something which cannot be denied. And if you are denying it, you are wholeheartedly practicing dogmatism. And I don't honestly care to have a conversation with you because your, your ideas are not based in reality, all right? Let me hit this bowl again real quick. So, the reason why I feel then a people's liberation movement, and more importantly, a people's union in this country is extremely important, is because in general, I would argue that American people have no idea how to help themselves. Whatever that means to you is perfectly fine. But you cannot argue my point that American people in general have no idea to help their own situations. And we have been convinced our entire lives that the way that we bring about the betterment of these situations is to do things like go to the ballot box and vote for a new president or vote for a new congressperson or vote for a new mayor. And even though these things might be helpful, again, in their own right. We have to dive deeper. Yes, is it important to vote in your local elections? Yes, is it important to go out and vote in general in order to just simply practice electoralism? You know, we have this stupid ability to be out, be able to go out and write our name on a piece of paper and sign off next to someone else's name and send it out. We have that ability, so it would quite honestly be just a waste to not use it. However, we have to recognize that that isn't going to bring about any change, you know? If it was, you would think that in the last 250 years, it would have done so, right? And so, I think that something that we really need to work on is understanding and bringing to the people's, you know, ideas to their education, to their understanding, exactly how that change is to be had. Um, I don't know how that changes to be had. And I don't think that anyone can really say that they do wholeheartedly. Um, And so we really need to organize. We need to come together and we need to bring our ideas and our struggles and our, you know, our hurts and our, you know, everything together and really try to figure out how it is that we can bring about this change 
for the people of not only this country, but the people of the world. Again, if we are to do this, I would argue that this cannot simply be a movement for national liberation, for you know the betterment of American workers, for American people in general. This has to be an international movement. This has to be a movement which says we as a people, as a working class people, have seen over time our situations, our lives, our, you know, our general quality of life get worse and worse and worse and worse, while those on the top watch their lives get better and better and better and better. We've been practicing capitalism for how long? And it has done nothing but suck the wealth away from the few people who, you know, in the world were able to enjoy it and give it to even fewer people. Um, We have watched as liberalism in this country has convinced entire masses that the way that you, you know, help yourself, the way you bring about change is going to vote, is, you know, pulling the blue lever or the red lever and expecting anything to change. No. You know, when you are putting out a fire, you got to spray at the base. You got to take this shit down at its core. And that core is capitalism. And capitalism is wholeheartedly antithetical to the world we live in today. Let's talk about that really quick before we finish up. The reason why I am against capitalism is not necessarily because I think it's evil. I do think it's an evil practice, but I don't think it and it in and of itself is evil inherently. I think it creates evil, but I don't think it is evil, if that makes sense. And the reason why I oppose capitalism then is just simply because it does not work for the society which we exist in today. Um, it did not work a hundred years ago when Karl Marx and Frederick Engels wrote you know, socialism, well, Frederick Engels wrote Socialism, Utopian, and Scientific, and Karl Marx wrote Capital, you know? It wasn't working back then because what they were saying was the division of labor, which, you know, a real quick summation, you go into a factory, there's not one guy who's building the entire machine, say. You got one guy who's screwing in this thing, you got one guy who's painting this on, you got one guy who's, you know, putting on this lever, you got this person who's assembling these pieces, and then after, you know, say 500 to 1,000 different people do their part on this thing, it becomes a commodity. That's division of labor. And more than that, you also have division of labor because you also then have the, you know, the shipping people who are separate, who ship those machines. You got the people who are collecting the natural resources and materials to make the machines, if we're speaking in, you know, this very specific example. Um, And at every single level now, you have done what is called, you have socialized the workplace because now you have made a society out of production. You have made it so that an entire society, an entire group of people is involved in the production of a commodity. And yet, for some reason, there's only usually one person or one group of people who at no point had any part in even the production of that commodity who therein are making the money and an exorbitant amount of money at that off of the production of hundreds if not thousands if not millions if not billions of hands which never see their 
part of the pie, who never see anything other than a measly wage, which for most of us today, even in America, this you know privileged first world society, even we can't pay our bills. Even we can't pay to afford the, you know, the necessities of our own human survival. Capitalism is a slave system which requires slaves, but also requires that it does not feed those slaves in order to make as much money as it can. But as, you know, Karl Marx says, the only way to avoid feeding those slaves is feeding those slaves. You know, it's either you outright feed those slaves or you have to pay them to feed themselves. And eventually, if you don't do that, if, you know, if you're not, you know, making sure that the working class in America is able to provide for its needs, pretty soon there isn't going to be any slaves left to use. So this, this is not capitalism is evil. It is. And I definitely do think that capitalism creates evil. And I'm definitely opposed to it uh, morally. But that can't be our only standpoint. We can't stand against these things morally because who's to say whose morality is higher than another's? Whose morality is correct? And that's why we can't practice idealism. We can't say, well, I think capitalism is good because it's done this, this, and this for these people. It's brought general prosperity to countries. I mean, look at China. Capitalism has brought a billion people out of you know, extreme poverty. But what we have to understand is that capitalism itself is antithetical to the practices which capitalism requires. And so it can't work. Not we don't want it to, or we wish that something else would work, but eventually it will stop working. That's just what we've seen over time by studying history. Uh, Marx and Engels knew this 100, 200 years ago. And so it's really important that we take the knowledge which they put forth and which many since them have put forth, understand it, use it to organize and help other people understand the problems facing them today, and then try to fix those problems. Because you can't fix a problem if you don't know what's wrong. Something that I always say to my grandma to get her to understand these things is, okay, grandma, let, you know, let's say greed is the problem. Let's, let's say greed is the problem facing the world today. So let's, let's take a car, right? And let's say we think that the car isn't running right because we got a flat tire. We have no understanding of cars in general, but we don't think that the car is running right because we have a flat tire. So every single morning we go out into our garage, we try to start our car, and the car doesn't start. It ring, 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 and it doesn't turn over, right? What do we do? Because we think we know that the problem is the flat tire even though we've you know, done nothing to understand cars, we think that the problem is the flat tire. What do we do? We change the flat tire. Okay, try starting the car again. Wow, look at that. Car doesn't turn over. Because it's the engine that's the problem. It's the whole car. It's time to get a fucking new one. And that car, if you, you know, don't understand metaphors, let me over-explain myself and look like a jackass. That car is this system that we call capitalism. Capitalism does not work. It's time for a new system. 150 years ago, it was time for a new system. And what did we do? Nothing. I guess that's not really the case. We tried a lot. So let's try again, people. And that's really what I'm calling for. You know, when I say we need people's unions, we need people's liberation. We got to go out in the streets and try something, people, because nothing is working. Okay, 
There's millions of people in some of the most privileged and most, you know, upper class, quote unquote, first world societies. There's widespread homelessness, poverty, um, joblessness, starvation in America, one of the wealthiest, if not the wealthiest countries in the world. And again, it's not because we don't have the ability to feed these people. It's not because we don't have the food. It's not because we don't have the houses. It's not because even we don't have the necessity for the jobs. But it doesn't make enough money. And that is why capitalism does not make sense. Because we have grocery stores full of food. We have whole cities which need you know, employees building the roads. Uh, maintaining the uh, the lights, maintaining the buildings in the city, maintaining, um, you know, we need to actually build cities which provide for their own cities rather than having these huge corporations like Walmart, Dollar General, and all these gas stations which come in and, you know, insert themselves and completely destroy local economies. These are things that we have to address, but we can't know how to do these things. We don't know how to do these things. And so the only way which we can hope to figure out how to do these things is talking with those who might know, who might have a different perspective. And what does that mean? That means talking to our neighbors. That means when you're in the grocery store, folks, don't just keep your head down, okay? We are all fucking in this together. Not the people up top, not fucking Ellen and Obama and all these, and Kamala Harris and Joe Biden who are going to get in front of the, the TV and say, we're all in this together. No, the fuck they're not. They're all never worrying about where their next meal is going to come from, how they're going to teach their kids when they have to go to work for 12 hours a day, how they're going to pay their rent because they haven't had a job in eight months, nine months, what they're going to do because the government is only going to give them 600 fucking dollars. These are problems which all of us, the working people of this world, are facing. We are the only ones who can fix those problems. The only ones who want to fix those problems, people. Our government doesn't want to fix these problems. We should know that by now. So stop trying to get them to. They're not going to. We have to be the change which we need to see in the world. So let's do it. Who's with me? Come on. We have to start somewhere. So let's start. Let's get it started. Okay? We got to get organizing. We got to get educating. We got to get learning. We got to get failing, people. We have to try and fail. And that failure does not mean that it is a failure outright, but that time was a failure. We need to look at it and adapt. We need to look at societies like the USSR, like Cuba, like China, which we might not agree with, and say, gee, they had these huge levels of success in organizing their people and getting the people some of their needs and providing for the people in some way or another. How can we replicate that? How can we take their failures and improve on those? That is what we should be doing. We shouldn't be saying, oh, I don't like what China did, so let's not do anything China did. Or the USSR got pretty authoritarian when Stalin was in government, so let's just not study USSR history or their tactics or anything because that's dangerous and it'll lead to authoritarianism. No, these things are specific. They're specific to their area. A revolution in Russia did not look like a revolution in Cuba, did not look like a revolution in China, did not look like a revolution in Vietnam or Korea or in Iran or in Palestine or in Afghanistan. These movements are all different because their people are different. Their people's needs are different. Their cultures are different. Their nations are different. And that's why those national liberations are important. 
But we need to take it a step further and say, yes, we might all be different. Our necessities at one time might all be different. But if we can work together, we can build a society in which we are all the same. We are equal. We are free to live our lives as we see fit. This is a society which I am willing to fight for. And this is a society that I hope millions more are willing to fight for because it's a society which we need. We will die if capitalism does not first. And we have to be the ones to put the stake through its heart because they are not going to be the ones to do it themselves. Power to the fucking people, okay? You, yourself, whoever is listening to this, you are powerful. Whatever education you have, spread it as best you can. Whatever relationships you have, try to organize with them. Try to talk to people. You know, what are you struggling with? What is something that you feel needs to be done? And really try to figure out, okay, is there any way that I can maybe work on trying to organize to get these problems solved? If not, well, try to meet up with and organize with people who might have a better chance. These are things that we need to do because nobody is going to do it for us. I love you all. Solidarity to all struggling people in the world, especially in India, in Peru, in Bolivia, in Venezuela, in Iran. And wholeheartedly, we have to stand against any imperialism whatsoever, and that includes the U.S. sanctions on places like Venezuela, on places like Palestine, on places like Iran, on Afghanistan, on um, Yemen, on Nepal. In these awful, awful times where millions of people are dying, We cannot stand in support of the United States whatsoever in any imperialism whenever it happens, wherever it happens. If you're still listening to this, I really appreciate and love you. I hope you enjoyed this. Let me take another fat rip of this bowl here. I really do want to organize. If anyone has any intentions to want to organize with me, let's start a union. Let's start a not, well, not non-workers union, but a people's union. A union for the people's needs. UPN, union for the people's needs. That, that could work. UPN, unions for the people's needs. Because, again, nobody is going to provide for the people's needs other than the people themselves who need those things. And if you don't believe me, look at the past year. What has the United States government? They took nine months. What has the United States government done in these last nine months? They give us 600 fucking dollars. They can eat dick, okay? Anyone who is still standing at all in support of the United States government as a whole needs to really readjust their thinking and look at their analysis because there is no help to be had with the United States government. That is not to say that we do not try to fight for, you know, fight and struggle for power within that government, but that is to say that that government will not be what provides for the people. And so we have to work to figure out what will. Power to the people. I hope everyone is well, staying safe and healthy. If you enjoyed this episode, please listen to more. Please share this. Please give me a review. Leave a like. Leave a comment. It really helps my outreach. I'm really trying to build this podcast. Um, If you're interested in organizing with me, please hit me up. You can find me at Annoying question boy, spelled just like that, at gmail.com. You can reach out to me there. You can also find me on all my social media Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, at Annoying Question Boy. Um, if you like this and would like to read a blog about the same thing or just my blog in general, you can find that at Annoying Question Boy. Just 
spelled just like that, no caps, no spaces, dot blogspot, B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T dot com. Um, and yeah, give that a like, give that a share, a comment if you don't mind. Um, and guys, let's start working, okay? Again, we have to start somewhere. We've been saying for, you know, I've been in this movement for a year now. I've heard that that entire year people say, well, we don't have the numbers. We don't have the organization. Okay, so let's start working on that. And I know that that's a lot for some people. I certainly don't have the time for that. But we got to start somewhere, guys. Otherwise, nothing is going to get better. Nobody is going to help us except for us. So let's help ourselves. Let's help each other. And let's learn how to fix the problems which we are facing today together. Solidarity and love to you all. Stay safe. And we'll see you next time. Have a good one.